Hello and welcome back to On Walking the Way. This week we're going to look at how grace trains us. I like the picture for today because it says so much without saying a word. In it we can see and almost feel what the process of training is like for these football players. You see, training is never a passive pursuit. No one accidentally gets trained. Training requires both a trainer and a trainee, and they both need to be actively involved or training never happens. Today, we're going to look at some of the ways that the grace of God trains us. We're going to start in Titus chapter 2. For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people, training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions, and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in the present age, waiting for our blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us to redeem us from all lawlessness and to purify for himself a people for his own possession, who are zealous for good works. We are not alone in this world. The grace of God has appeared in Jesus, through his death, resurrection, and the Holy Spirit. It brings salvation for all people, and it is this grace that trains us to renounce ungodliness. This grace is also the source of our hope that our great God and Savior Jesus Christ will return. But grace is not a passive gift. It is not a get-out-of-jail-free card. It is a transformative gift. It is a gift that teaches us. But even teaching is too weak a word. It trains us and disciplines us. I think coach or schoolmaster comes closer to the original idea of the Greek word here. And that's why I chose this picture of a football coach for this article. The grace of God trains us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions. But it seems to me, in our time, grace is often seen as a thoroughly passive thing. Some even act and speak as if grace makes sin irrelevant. Grace covers all, and so we can live as we please. Well, let me just say, no. But because of this passive attitude, we are also seeing God's people turn from the grace of God and deny the truth the moment the world applies even the slightest pressure. This lack of perseverance is a sign that we are failing to allow the grace of God to really train us. We have chosen our desires for acceptance and status and comfort over the grace we find in the cross of Christ. The cross is not a symbol of passivity. It is a symbol of self-sacrificial love. So how does the grace of God teach us? Grace in a, is a, it's a strange concept in some ways. On the one hand, even a child can understand that grace is favor that is completely unearned. It, it's a gift. But when you get into the question of what exactly this gift really is and does, the questions get a little more difficult to answer. Like everything else, grace begins with God and comes to us through Jesus. It is a gift 
and it is our only hope in this life. In some traditions, grace is understood to come through various means like baptism and communion. But I think these so-called means of grace are better understood and described as our response to the gift of God's grace. And this response can take many, many forms beyond simple outward participation in sacraments. This passage tells us that the grace of God teaches us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions or desires. So to respond to this grace, we must listen and obey by renouncing ungodliness and refusing to cave in to the pressures of our own desires. But grace is something that is more like a who than a what, if you really continue to study this. Consider this passage from the Gospel of John, for example. If you love me, you will keep my commandments, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever, even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Grace comes from, and in some sense maybe is, the indwelling of Jesus through the Holy Spirit. It is the spirit of truth in us, given to us by Jesus, that is teaching us. This presence in us teaches us to give up our former desires and habits of mind and body, to enter into a new life that is godly and upright, a life that practices self-control a self-control that is only possible now that Jesus has conquered the power of sin and taken up residence within us. We are not alone. We are not orphans, according to Jesus. He has come to us and dwells in us, and through his Spirit he teaches us and transforms us into his image. Consider this passage from Romans 8. For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son, in order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. And those whom he predestined, he also called, and those he called, he also justified, and those whom he justified, he also glorified. What shall we say to all these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? The grace of God has been freely given to us all, and the only question left seems to be, what are we going to do with it? In all of the verses we looked at today, and in quite a few more scattered throughout the New Testament, we see that God has already made the first move. And God, through his grace, continues to do all the heavy lifting. It seems all we need to do is allow Jesus to do his work in us. We need to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions as he taught us, and we can do this because he now resides in us by his Holy Spirit, and his Spirit in us can do what we never could on our own. We are a new creation now. All things are new. But the old still exists. If we choose to, we can still live according to our old nature. But why would we want this? Jesus dwells in us, the Holy Spirit indwells us, God is in us, in other words. God himself is conforming us into the image of his Son, and as Paul concludes after recounting all of this, if God is for us, who can be against us? So what do we do this week, right? 
Grace has been given to us. It is a grace so great that I think we often disbelieve it. We wonder, how can this be? But the testimony of the prophets and apostles is that God really has done this. So we need to listen to the grace that has been given to us. We need to consider our forgiveness and stop exploiting God's grace by continuing to live as though nothing has happened. This week, we need to listen to the voice of God's grace through the Spirit and trust in that grace to give us the strength to do what we could never do on our own. Let's take courage and renounce whatever is left of ungodliness and worldly passions. Join me in being zealous for good works this week as we wait for the blessed hope of Christ's return as the true King of heaven and earth. And have a great week.